has gone. We just want to uh, let you know that uh, we are joining this morning with 700 churches around the world. Uh, as this is the, the day that uh, around the world that we are praying for the persecuted church. And so we, we deliberately stopped the praise and worship a little bit short to accommodate uh, some time where we can pray for those of our brothers and sisters who are undergoing such severe and terrible things uh, in, in lands where they are being persecuted. We are so blessed in this land to have freedom of worship. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So, um, we, I want to start off this morning by, by playing an introduction video, and we'll say a little more after that. So when you're ready, Fee, if you'd like to start that. Right now, the persecuted church faces a battle from being mocked, oppressed, and falsely accused, to beaten, imprisoned, and killed. This is the battle, the darkness they face. But it's not just theirs. This is what it looks like for us to join in the battle, to fight against things unseen, breaking down barriers and opening new doors. This is what it looks like to be one body to share in each other's burdens, mourning with those who mourn and comforting those who despair. It's what it looks like to shine like stars, to bring peace into chaos and healing into sickness, to give courage to those who might fear and strength to those who face weakness. For when we come together to pray, We are powerful and effective. We are joined by Jesus. And we are heard by the Lord God Almighty Himself. This is not just what it looks like to pray. This is what it looks like to light up the world. Join with believers all over the world and pray with the persecuted church. Scan the QR code and light up your city on the prayer map today. for the, um, the, the one where it talks about one and seven. We just got the prayer cards. No, not that one. Um, that's the prayer card. The, um, the one above that. I think it was the second one on the list. We'll come back to... Well, maybe we could do that one now. We could do that one now. Um, If you'd like to read it out, it's pretty small on the screen here. So, um, the most... This is what this young lady, Eleven, says. The most important thing I've learned is that God is always there for me. He never leaves me. 
uh, Rafika Salehan. She lost her dad when he was killed by extremists targeting Christian students on a bus. She said when he saw the bomb, he ran towards the bus and shouted and waved at them. He told them, don't move or we will be dead. They hated Christian people. They wanted to get the Christians out of the world and out of this country, and that's why they tried to kill them. Rafif's dad diverted the bus and saved the students, but he lost his own life in the process. Rafif says, I miss my dad. I have asked God, why did you take my father away? Why did you do this? There are stories in the Bible where people save the lives of other people. When I hear these stories, I think, hey, that is my dad. He also died to save the lives of others. Whenever I feel like I'm not in the right place, I read the Bible. That gives me confidence that I am in the right place. Praise God. You know, we take so for granted the things that, um, the freedom we have to worship. And uh, when you think, uh, we were looking at the persecution some time back and uh, we discovered that there are more martyrs today than there were in the times of Rome. Incredible as that may seem, uh, in, when you look at the, the Asian countries and certainly the, the Far East, uh, if you're a Christian, uh, it can be an incredibly detrimental um, thing to do, you can be ostracized from your family, disowned, cast out into the streets uh, to make your own way. It, that's the good outcome. Uh, the, the worst thing that they can do is they can, they can, they can kill you or they beat you and imprison you uh, just for the privilege of, of what we are doing here this morning, worshiping the Lord. So one in seven Christians worldwide uh, face persecution and discrimination for their faith in Jesus. And so I just want to take a few moments this morning uh, just for us to try and capture the heart of what it means to, to, to identify with those that are hurting, those that are suffering. And if we could just right where we are, just spend a few moments and pray. And I, I would invite you just pray out loud. Just let's pray for these folks that are, are suffering and uh, who are standing strong in the face of much opposition. And so uh, we thank God for these people who have been bold and courageous in countries where uh, it means persecution, loss of jobs, beatings, all sorts of things, but they stand and, and they're standing tall. So if we could just right now, just where we are, just enter into a place of prayer and begin to pray for uh, those who are suffering for their faith. Could we do that? Lord, we want to pray for those that are in prison this morning. Lord, who have been abused by gods because of their faith. Uh, prison guards, that is, Lord, they, uh, they are beaten, they are punished, they are starved, they, they live in atrocious conditions. Lord, all to break their faith, all for them to renounce their trust in Jesus. And so, Lord, we, we would take time this morning to lift up all those who are facing persecution, all those that, that uh, Lord, are standing firm, and we pray that you would undergird them. Won't you join with me? Pray out loud. Pray in the spirit. Let's really call out to God. Father, we know that the devil comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. And he's coming against areas of the church where the light would shine in a dark place. Lord, the devil is doing his utmost to, to uh, stamp out the light. And so, Father, we pray for those men and women, boys and girls, who know you. 
that you would give them great courage, that you would give them great strength. Lord, that they would not buckle under the pressure that has been so overwhelmingly uh, placed upon them. Lord, the pressure of beatings and the pressure of death, the pressure of starvation and abandonment. Lord, there are so many things that the persecuted church go through that, uh, Lord, we, don't, we have no idea of. And so we pray, Lord, that their faith, Lord, would remain strong. Lord, we ask that you would give them strength in this time where they are being persecuted. Oh, God, we, we cry out to you for mercy. Lord, visit them. In, in the night seasons. Lord, even as Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane under extreme pressure, Lord, you sent angels to encourage him. And we pray that angels will attend to these your servants who have been beaten and, and whipped and abused. Lord, send them angels. May they see the glory of God. Give them fresh revelation. Give them fresh insight, Lord. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, Lord God, we just thank you that you love people across the entire world. And Lord, I thank you that you have called men and women and children in every country of the world. Lord, thank you for those who hold fast to their faith, those who trust in you, Lord God, who put their confidence in the truth of who you are. Lord God, pour out your grace and mercy upon them. Pour out your virtue upon them, Lord God. Pour out your blessings and your protection upon them, Lord God. Lord, give them strength, give them courage, give them wisdom, Lord in all the situations that they face. Lord, may their faith never waver. May it never waver, Lord God, regardless of the circumstances around them. Oh, give them your courage. Give them your grace, your mercy, your strength, Lord God. In the precious name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your love for humanity. Oh, thank you, precious God. Thank you, thank you, Lord God. Shadi Abba Babai, Kafukuri Abba Baba. Shadi Abai, Kafukuri Abba Baba. Oh, Jesus. Father, I'm reminded of the time when we inherited through Peter into prison. And Lord, you sent angels into the midst of his cell. He was guarded in the innermost prison. And Lord, you sent an angel and supernaturally delivered him. The angel touched him. His chains fell off. The doors opened. The gates to the city opened. And you led them out. We pray, Lord, for even supernatural signs and wonders to take place with, with, with your, your persecuted believers. Lord, visit them in the night seasons. Deliver them supernaturally, Lord, from the, from the bonds and the afflictions of the enemy. God, let them stand astounded at the power of our God in the name of Jesus. Lord, minister to them, Lord. Save them, Lord. Oh, Father, help them to be witnesses to their tormentors. Lord, help them to pray for those that despitefully use them and persecute. Give them that, the heart of Jesus, Lord. Lord, because in the, in the natural they want revenge, but Lord, we pray that you would minister to them. Lord. We pray that you would, you would speak to them, Lord. Thank you. Oh, let their witness be effective, Lord. Yes, thank let their witness be effective. Thank you, Jesus. Let their light shine. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
countries being persecuted for you, Lord. That they may be strong and keep their eyes on you, Lord. Yes. Just as you, on your way to the cross, you Thank said, joy you. before you, Lord. And this joy made you strong, Lord. You endured the cross, despising the shame. That they may look to you, Lord, and gain strength from you. Thank you, Lord, that you empower us, that you empower them, that they will be strong in you and the power of your might, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Remember the word, your your word, which says that that this present suffering cannot be compared to the glory of the Lord. persecuting them. Father, we pray that you would send revival, uh, Lord, for those faithful men and women, boys and girls, who are standing strong in the midst of opposition. Lord, we pray that there would come a change of regime, a change of, uh, uh, Lord, their their worship of their gods as they begin to see that Jesus, you really are God. Father, manifest yourself to these prisoners, manifest yourself to these gods, to the nations, Lord, who don't know you, who have rejected you. Lord, open their eyes that they might see you and that they might come to saving faith through Jesus Christ. Pray that they would know that they are loved, Lord. Thank Even you. as they persecuted, like, like Saul, Lord, he was, he was out persecuting the church, but he, Lord, he had an encounter with you. Mm. And Lord, you changed his heart. Thank we you. pray that these, these gods and these people who are betraying one another, uh, Lord, would have a change of heart. Thank you, that they would see Thank Jesus in all Thank his you. majesty and all his glory and all Thank his splendor. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Yes, Lord, thank you that you are the light of this world, Jesus. Thank you that the suffering, the suffering of these ones locked up, abused and beaten, going about, Lord, is not in vain. Lord, we pray for your encouragement this day to every soul that is in that situation, Lord, that encouragement divine encouragement, Lord, that there might be even a light, a, 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 a wonderful, fresh revelation of your love towards them, Lord, a fresh 
revelation of of all the, of the worth of what they're enduring, Lord. That they are your servants, your obedient servants. Even obedient to death, Lord, even as you were, Lord Jesus. And the servant is never greater than the master, and you are our master, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we, we thank you for your example, Lord, to us all and to those that are suffering, Lord, that there is nothing beyond you and nothing more worthy than giving of oneself to you and humbly saying you are number one. We put you first. We put you first, Lord, even unto death. And Lord, as has been prayed, Lord, let it be that this statement of faith would that they would be widely known that many, many others would be encouraged and would and would wonder at at the sacrifices that are being made and would be stirred up to question, Lord, why why the sacrifices being made and Lord as has been prayed, Lord, for the jailers, for the people around, Lord, for the environment that these ones are in, Lord. That they would be touched even by by the sacrifice of these martyrs and this suffering for you. Thank you, Jesus. courage, their boldness not to compromise, but to stand tall for Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be of like mind and have the same strength of character. And Lord, despite fierce opposition, Lord, that we would stand our ground and that we would honor you even unto the death. Lord, even as many of these are doing so right now. Lord, we pray that you would make us as bold and as courageous as they are. And that we'd be strong, that we'd stand up for you, that we might be able to influence our world too. Father, we just pray for miraculous changes to be made in these circumstances. Oh. Oh. We just know, Father, that they are paying the price for what they believe, Father. Oh, what a wonderful reward for waiting for them. Mm-hmm. We just pray that a miracle will change. Yes. Miracles, miracles, miracles will take place in this area. Yes. Yes. Oh. 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 Wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Changes in regime. Changes in leadership. Changes in people that make the decisions. Oh, how much we need. In high places, Father. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And we all came to you by the blood of the Lamb 
and by the word of their testimony, and they do not love their lives to the dead. for your prayers this morning. I pray that you just, as God lays them, these people on, on your heart, that you would do that. And uh, if you'd like any more information about the Persecuted Church, Open Doors uh, is an organization that um, is a, a ministry that's totally dedicated to uh, the Persecuted Church. So uh, if you need any further information uh, about Open Doors, you can come see me after the service, and I'll be happy to pass that on to you. Hallelujah. Praise God. We've got one more song that we're going to sing. And uh, hallelujah. You're beautiful beyond description. Would you like to stand as we, as we sing this?
Father, we do stand in awe of you. And truly, Lord, we are beggared when it comes to describing your glory, your beauty, your majesty, your grace, any of your attributes, Lord. We cannot define them. They are so magnificent. They are so wonderful beyond human tongue. And so, Father, we just thank you. Lord, thank you for the privilege that we have to worship and adore you this morning. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would bless us. Lord, as we would consider your word this morning, that you would open our eyes, that you would touch our hearts, that we would uh, have ears to hear that which the Holy Spirit would say to us. So, Lord, we commit this uh, this time into your care and ask that you would bless everything that's said and done in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Praise God. The Lord is saying, watch and see what I do on your behalf in the time ahead. Lean on me and do not falter. Keep oh. your eyes on me. Do not look left or right. I am taking you into a battleground. Hold fast and I will teach you great things as you press closer and closer to my heart. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Thank you. Praise God. Has anybody got a testimony this morning? Anybody at all? God took a holiday this week. <laughs> I'd just like to share a quick testimony. Um, it's really Brian's testimony, Brian and I, but, uh, and I was hoping he would come and share it this morning, but he, he said he's coming back soon, um, but soon is a relative term, as you know, but uh, he still looks at us as, as his fellowship, uh, and he's still struggling a little bit with health issues. So, uh, he, he phoned me up the other day and he said, look, I have a friend uh, who has um, given some money to a con artist overseas, and he's lost a, a lot of money. He said, could you pray and um, could, you, could you believe God and that, that he'll get his money back? Uh, the police are saying because it's overseas, it's going to be a very difficult thing to um, uh, actually accomplish. So we've no, well, there's nothing impossible for God, right? right? And so we thought, okay, Lord, we'll, we'll pray and we'll believe for the restoration of all things. And, and we prayed and we prayed and... Um, you know, at, at the end, um, we just committed it to the Lord and believed that God was going to do great things. Um, well, Brian phoned me uh, a day or two ago, and he said to me, he was so excited. He said, you know my friend that, that uh, lost his money to the scam artist? Uh, I said, uh, yeah. He said, well, he got all $20,000 back. Wow. Uh, it's absolutely miraculous. You know, let's give God the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what God can do. You know, when it's impossible with man, it's possible with God. So um, I hope that encourages you to pray and believe God for the outpouring of His Holy Spirit. You know, so yeah. It's not really a testimony, but um, we, well, sort of, we went to the, that free speech union meeting that was held yesterday, uh, yeah, yesterday in, in the city. And um, there was an international speaker came over and there was panels, discussions going on and questions and answer. But one of there was a professor there whose name I've totally forgotten, but he his research was something to do with cognitive behaviour and stuff. And he was basically saying that um, if faith in God had taken out the equation, a hole is there and it's filled with other stuff. So I thought, well, there was a lot of people in that room and, and I just thought at least they acknowledged that, which I thought was really good considering the society we live in mm -hmm. at the moment. Amen. We're not persecuted, but we certainly could do with a lot of improvement. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Well, can I tell a, tell a story? It's, it's 
Okay. From, from way back. But, okay. Um, I, I read this a little while ago. It's from Amy. Amy Semple. Person. Yeah, yeah. Person. Yeah. Okay. Person. <laughs> and she she was she was preaching in a in a church somewhere, and she felt the Lord say, "I want to do a creative miracle." And so she said to people, "You know, does anyone want prayer? Come forward. Do you want prayer?" And nobody came. So at the end of the, the message, she asked again. And eventually, a young woman came up with a bundle in her arms. And when she opened the, bas- the um, blanket, there was a little baby in there without a single limb and with a distorted face. And so Amy just prayed a very simple little prayer and the congregation just worshipped. And over the next half hour, the baby grew four limbs in its face. Yeah, what was that? Um, 18th century, 19th century, Amy Semple McPherson. Yes, McPherson. Okay, so you, you read something. Oh, yes, I read it somewhere. Okay. But that's, that's how God is what he can do, create a miracle. That wasn't the only thing that she Oh, no, not the only one. <laughs> but it was a wonderful one that just, it just stirred my heart. This week I could speak with a, a man who I meet sometimes uh, when I go walk in the park because he always walks his dog and um, he always um, he has a lovely poodle, you know. So some, some <laughs> and last week I I also talked with him a bit and then I said, oh, I have to go now because. To go and walk in there. And um, then he said, he, he, he said, bye, and the dog, and he was standing next to me, and suddenly he fell down because there was kind of a fence, uh, like an iron chain or something, and he tilted or something, you know. Anyway, he fell down, and I came back because I was only two steps further. And then he, I asked him, you need help? And he said, oh, yeah, I can't get up. He was falling on his knees. So. And then when he got up, he suddenly said to me, hey, I have cancer. I have cancer in my lung and I have cancer here. And I was supposed to die in August, but I'm still here. And he <laughs> still walks his dog and, you know. And so from that, we started a more talk about spiritual things. Then he told me that he's an artist. He said, uh, but I, I am an artist because I asked him about what he thinks about when life after death, what he thinks happened. Uh, so he said, I have to make the best out of life here. Then he told me also he's Jewish and he's from Vienna. His ancestors are from Vienna. And uh, I felt guilty because I'm German. But he talked with me, so he knew that I'm German. So. But anyway, I asked him if I can pray for him. And he said, yes, I never refuse anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, this is not bad. Yes, not Because I told him I'm a Christian. And then he said he is also surrounded by Christian friends. <laughs> and they want to convert him. But uh, it's very hard on their teeth or something. So they, they, they can't convert him. 
So I asked him whether I can give him something um, about the roots of the persecution of the Jews. Derek Prince wrote something about why the Jews are persecuted. And he said, yes, I am very interested in mm -hmm. it. So um, two days later, I met him again. And I took the paper with me. And I also gave him a testimony of another Jewish believer. Um, and um, asked him to read it. So could you please mm -hmm. pray for this man that he will be converted? Mm -hmm. And it's not too hard for God. His name is Don. Don. Dio. He lives in a retirement home. Praise yes. God. Thank you, Karen. Okay. Let's pray right Please now. Praise God. Let's pray for Don right now that God would just somebody somebody in the congregation like to pray for Don. Anybody would just just want to pray out loud with Venus and pray with you? If you don't volunteer, we can do it the army way. <laughs> but I'd, I'd much prefer you volunteer. Okay. Uh, Lord, uh, we ask that you come to Don in his time. I will say time with you alone, Lord, because he is reading of you. Touch his heart, Lord. Open his mind, his spirit to you, Lord, that he may know that you are there, Lord. That there can be no other reason for that which he experiences, Lord. Given that experience, when he knows that you are Lord, we also pray that he would come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. That he would understand that the law and the prophets are all pointing him towards Jesus. And Lord, we ask for a supernatural revelation that you would touch his heart, that you would melt his heart. Lord, and draw him unto you. Thank you, Lord, for Corinne's ministry to him. Thank you, Lord, for the words that she's spoken to him. I pray that they would be like mighty, powerful seeds, Lord, that would, would grow in Don's heart and that he would come to know you, uh, Lord Jesus, as his personal Lord and Savior. This we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, God works in amazing ways. Um, I was wondering what I was going to pray, and I, I wasn't even thinking about uh, the, the persecuted church. And I was reading a scripture early on in the week, and uh, it just kind of resonated. I thought, oh, that, 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 maybe that's what I should be ministering on. So I thought, I, I wasn't sure, and uh, I thought, I'm just going to sit down and see if I can pull out a couple of points, outline it, and see if, see if anything will develop. And I'm thinking that this sermon just wrote itself. Uh, wow, Lord, I wish it would like that every week. Uh, you know, sometimes it's blood, sweat, and tears, and other times it just, God just speaks. And I, um, this is kind of one of those where I just feel that the Lord uh, opened up this passage of Scripture to me, and uh, it has been a real blessing. And it really ties in um, with what we've already heard, and in fact, some of the prophecies and some of the things. I thought, man, Lord, these people are preaching my message. So um, we're really hearing what the Spirit of the Lord says. So. Uh, let's just pray and ask God's blessing upon the words. Huh? Heavenly Father, we are so totally dependent upon you. Lord, without you, we are just empty. We're clanging symbols. We, uh, Lord, we, we have nothing to offer. 
And I ask, Heavenly Father, that you would take these words that I would speak, that you would break them as bread to feed us. Lord, that you would make this relevant to our hearts, that you would, you would speak to us uh, through the scriptures this morning, through the, through the truths that we were looking at. Uh, and Lord, I pray that you would touch hearts. Uh, Lord, more than touch, I pray that you would change us, that you would transform us, that, Lord, we would grow from glory to glory, that we would grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would grow in our wisdom and our understanding of the knowledge of the, of the Scriptures and the knowledge of your will. And so, Heavenly Father, we ask that you would minister to us uh, in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. amen. If you've got your Bibles with you, and I can invite you. Uh, you Oh, thank you, yes. On the count of three, we're going to say welcome Zoomers. One, two, three. Welcome Zoomers. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's come at this time. Okay, so Acts chapter 20, and uh, we're going to read uh, verses 18 and further on. Okay, Acts chapter 20, 18 and further on. And when they would come to him, they said unto them, you know from the first day that I came to Asia after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that the bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord to testify the gospel of grace of God. Now behold, I know that you all among you, among whom I have gone, preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Obviously, this is Paul right near the end of his ministry, uh, certainly uh, his evangelistic ministry, uh, and his, his great tours. But, you know, I was just thinking about Paul and this particular passage of Scripture. And uh, undoubtedly, Paul is the, the greatest apostle that ever walked the face of the earth. You know, his encounters with God were uh, absolutely supernatural. Um, you know, his accomplishments are legendary. Uh, moving in the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, raising the dead. He has encounters with God on the road to Damascus. He, the revelations that Paul gets are, are sometimes hard to understand, but he writes two-thirds of the New Testament. You know, this, this is a, a Christian uh, that is par excellence. And uh, God began to use Paul in such wonderful ways that, you know, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about the Apostle Paul. Uh, what a legacy, what a, uh, a, a ministry that Paul had. And uh, I believe that the heart of God is that for, for each and every one that calls on the name of the Lord, God wants us to have an impact on the world like the Apostle Paul. God's got great plans in school for you. Can you say amen? amen. God wants to use you far more than you want to be used. 
God's heart is great and, and abundant and He wants to bless us and anoint us. And so I, I, was, I thought it was quite interesting as I was looking at the life of the soul of this great ministry. Um, let me, before I do that, how many would really, I mean, really, really like to be used of God? Maybe like Amy Simple McPherson. Uh, maybe like, uh, uh, um, what's that, that evangelist from Africa? Rana Bonke, you know, with some great prophet. In your heart, there's a desire to be used of God. Can you say amen? amen. I'm in the right church this morning. Okay, praise God. Okay. So, I just want to draw a couple of lessons out of this particular passage of Scripture. And the first thing I want to, would like to draw your attention to is that when we, we meet Saul, he's Saul of Tarsus. And, uh, you know, he, his Hebrew name is Saul. And um, so uh, he uh, was uh, born in uh, modern-day Turkey uh, in, in a very uh, affluent and diverse community of Tarsus, and, uh, which is, as you said, modern-day Turkey. He was also a Roman citizen, which was highly prized because... That opened the corridors of power and privilege to Roman citizens. Uh, it was a very prestigious thing to be a, a Roman citizen. And Saul uh, was probably uh, fairly well off, you know, uh, coming from this affluent city in Tarsus. Uh, and he studied the Torah, the Jewish law, under Gamaliel, probably the most prominent or eminent uh, Jewish scholar of his day. And uh, he was really an amazing man. And uh, it was, uh, I think, some of his impact and, and teaching that really impacted Saul's life. Uh, so Saul, or Saul, to use his Hebrew name, was probably fairly well off, certainly extremely well ed educated, and a very privileged uh, citizen because he was a Roman. And God starts to use this man. And I, 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 as I was looking at the scriptures, it's like, God suddenly popped the, the, this, this thought into, into my mind. He's Saul, Saul, this Hebrew guy that God is using. And no sooner does God start to use uh, Saul, Saul, uh, then he changes his name. And he calls himself Paul. And uh, you, you can read about that in Acts 13, 9. It, says, you know, it goes on to say, uh, Then Saul, who is also called Paul, was filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes, and he's really talking about Elimaeus, and we're not going to go into that. But it was from this point on, in the very beginning of his ministry, when God starts to use him. And remember how he struck Elimaeus blind because he was perverting uh, and trying to mislead the, the, uh, the governor of the land. And he said, you're going to go down blind for a season. And it was a demonstration of God's power and anointing that really opened Sergius Paulus' heart to receive the gospel. And so it was a very powerful encounter. But from this moment on, in the scriptures, he's no longer known as Saul of Tarsus, not Saul from, from Tarsus, uh, he's known as Paul. And I thought, God, why? Why, why would he change his name? You know, um, he's ministering to, to the Jews, why would he change his name? And I thought, well, what, what does Saul mean? And uh, what does Paul mean? And uh, so I, I began to look at it, and uh, it's really quite significant when you see what Paul means. It comes from the Latin root meaning to be small, diminutive, or little. And so uh, here is God raising up this mighty man of God, this place he's going to have a, 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 an impact that's going to shake the world for generations to come. And so uh, uh, he, and, and as God raises him up, 
Paul chooses to be known as Paul. The little one. The little man. The, the, the one who is insignificant. And I think it was because Saul understood that there is a powerful spiritual lesson that we need to understand here. Paul understood that pride is an obstacle to spiritual growth. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. And so instead of uh, accepting honor and glory, he chooses the name uh, Paulos, depending on Paolo, Paulos, depending on, on which way you want to interpret it. But it means little, diminutive. It's the, the little guy. So, so what does Saul means? I've forgotten. <laughs> no, but yeah. it must yeah. mean maybe it's the opposite it, side. Well, you'd think so, but I, 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 it, yeah, you, you can look it up in Strong's. I, I, it, I don't really recall. Uh, I did look it up, but I've forgotten it. But anyway, it, the principle was that, that Saul, as God is exalting him, you know, uh, using him in signs and wonders, uh, he decides to be known as Paul, the little man. He's humbling himself in his own eyes because he understands that, that pride is a very dangerous thing. You see, he understands that uh, if you're going to grow in the things of God, you've got to watch out for, for pride. And so, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. You know that word grace? It's interesting. It means favor. It's translated in other places as favor. So God gives grace and he gives favor to the humble. How many would like some favor from God? Walk yeah. humbly before God, and God will actually do that for us. And so it's a really wonderful thing. So, uh, Pilate or Paul chooses literally to identify himself as the little man as God is exalting him because he realizes uh, that, that his pride is such a, a dangerous thing. So, uh, it's, it's really such an unattractive quality, pride, isn't it? You know, if people sense a pride, or a haughty spirit in you, they won't like you. And they won't, won't like your Jesus. Your ministry will be badly effective if you're walking in proud. We're still, you'll find God working against you. Can you say amen? No. You see, uh, so it's really important that we, we understand that, that uh, pride was, was really the root issue that Paul was dealing with. He understood that the devil was downfall was because of pride. And so it's something that you and I need to be very wary of. I don't know if you've seen this advert on TV. Uh, there's a car advert, and uh, the guy's a, he's got a brand new car, and he's advertising the car. And he leans out the window, and he says, get in. But uh, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but the way he says it, I think it's supposed to be, you know, you know, authoritative, but just get in. But it comes across so rude and so arrogant, and every time that advert comes on, I, 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 I begin to talk to the TV. I don't know if you do, but I talk to the TV. And he says, get in. I say, not with you, you rude, bombastic oaf. You know? and, I, because, and it has the exact opposite intention. In fact, I'm not interested in their car because this guy was so proud, so arrogant. And I cannot believe that they, uh, that they went for that approach. I think they were trying to go for, you know, uh, that get in, but the way it came across was just really arrogant. And uh, so I'm never going to buy that motor car, that's for sure. <laughs> So, pride repels. What does Saul do? Notice our text in, in verse 19. He says, uh, Paul is saying, I'm serving the Lord with all humility. I'm serving the Lord with all humility. 
You know, it's really important. It's a great spiritual lesson uh, taught throughout the scriptures. Remember what Peter said? He said, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. If we will humble ourselves, God will exalt. I think that there's, there's the opposite would true. If we walk in pride and arrogance, God says, okay, you can just stay where you are right now. So it becomes a very important spiritual lesson. Uh, remember what Jesus said, whoever shall humble himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The greatest. Humility, if you humble yourself as this little child, you become the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That is a beautiful truth. What a wonderful thing to know that as we humble ourselves, God's desire is to lift us up. And if we will do that, um, the, the Lord's blessing will be upon us. And so, if you want spiritual promotion, if you want this mighty ministry that I asked you about in the beginning, you're going to have to walk in humility. There is a test in the scriptures about humility. And it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. Uh, so, we're going to have to pass this test of pride or humility. Deuteronomy 8.2 And I'm going to read it to you. It says, Remember how the Lord your God led you. Now, in context, this is speaking to the Jews as they're exiting Egypt. Uh, but for us, as we look back, we recognize that this is an Old, uh, an old Testament type of the church. And so it has relevance to you and I, this test that they are about to face. Uh, because even as the, the Jews were called out of Egypt... Uh, the, the, the church, the Greek word is ecclesia, means we're called out of the world. And so there's this parallel uh, between what's going on here in Egypt with what God does in, in the church, in you and I, because we are the ecclesia, the called out ones out of the world. So what does he say about them? He says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments or not. You know, don't make uh, a mistake here. God knew. God knew what was in their heart, whether it's, it was to reveal to us what was in our heart. How many know that sometimes we think we're greater than we really are? You know? <laughs> Peter says, I'll never, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And that very night he denies the Lord three times. You know? So it was a revelation for the, the children of Israel about what was in their heart. It was a spiritual test of humility. You remember when we were looking at spiritual warfare, and we talked about the, the, the pancreation fighter uh, who wouldn't submit, uh, and ultimately he died rather than submit, rather than give in and, and, and become a loser, he died. You know, history is replete with examples of how pride infects us. Do you remember in, in, in history how men would, would fight duels to the death? For honor. For honor. No, for pride. You know, you're offended by pride, therefore I'm going to kill you. That's really what it was all about. This test of pride comes to all of us, whether we're ready for it now. One of the reasons that Egypt was so devastated uh, by the Lord is their refusal to humble themselves. If you read in Exodus chapter 10 and verse 3, you read this. Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? You know what Pharaoh says? Who is God that I should obey him? 
What pride, what arrogance. And as a result of that pride and arrogance, Egypt was, was, was really humble. It's never been the nation that it was. Pharaoh lost his army, he lost his kingdom, and, and, and he lost everything. It was never the same as a result of that. His nation was gone because he refused to humble himself. That's a powerful lesson. Nobody likes being humbled. And to do it to yourself seems to be extremely perverse. You know, if you've ever been humbled in public, um, you know, you, you, uh, it's not a nice feeling. But to do that to yourself, man, that's difficult. But it's better for us to humble ourselves than have God fight against us. Can you say amen? amen. So it becomes really important that we, we try and embrace this lesson of humility. James, another apostle, uh, writes, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord that He shall lift you up. Now, humility doesn't mean thinking less of yourself. We've all gone down that road. I'm just a worm. I'm no good. I'm... That's not humility. Okay, humility is thinking about yourself less. So that you know that, that, that those words sound the same, but that the difference in meaning is significant. You know, uh, we we often condemn ourselves, we put ourselves down, and we think we are being humble. No, we're being foolish because we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And everyone said, so, uh, it, it's about thinking less about yourself. Okay. The most empty, most empty people in the world are people that are full of themselves. And everyone says, yes, You know, Dr. Bass uh, was uh, uh, an eminent uh, speaker, uh, and uh, he, he was starting out his ministry uh, in America, and uh, he went to Los Angeles to preach, and right in the very beginning of, of, of his preaching ministry. And uh, after the service, he went to the back of the church, as, as they used to do, and they would shake hands, and people would say, oh, what a wonderful service you, you have, what a great message. And uh, eventually, this little old man came through, and uh, he, he, he shook Dr. Bass's hands, and he said, um, you spoke too long. <laughs> and anyway, he said, oh, okay, that's fine. And the guy went off. And so other people pass by. A few minutes later, this old man comes back again. <coughs> He's quite surprised to see the, the guy in the, in the line the second time. He said, you didn't speak loud enough. I couldn't hear a word you were saying. <laughs> That's rather strange. They come past twice. <coughs> Excuse me, I can spirit. Compliments have been coming thick and This is just an old man. Write me down if a few minutes later the same old man comes back for a third bite of the cherry and he says to him, you, know, uh, you use words we couldn't understand. So Dr. Ben says, man, what's going on with this guy? And he calls a deacon over and he says, you know, you see that little old man there? Can you tell me about him? And he can say, ah, don't worry about him. All he does is go around and says what everybody else says. Oh. <laughs> a pretty humbling experience. <laughs> you know, some people are so unfriendly. They cut you down and make you look small. You know, they're, they're intolerant of you and your ideas. And they think they write about everything. I hope you don't know anybody like that. But, you know, uh, they, they, they think they know everything that you should do. 
And, and they have a scripture to confound it. They say, I've got a word for you, you know. And uh, they, want to, they want to control and manipulate. The problem is with many of these people, there's no grace. And there's no compassion in these people. They just think, this is the, this is the way. This is the way it's going to be. It's my way or the highway. How many know that's not God's way? Amen. They're proud and they're arrogant. Okay, if you want a mighty ministry, you need to humble yourself like Paul. Put Christ above all and others before yourself. When dealing with people, treat them all with dignity and respect. I've told you before, the way I learned this was with my pastor. Uh, it really uh, blew me away when a man came in. I don't think he'd bought for three or four weeks. And he came in and he was really reeking to high heaven. Everybody made, he was like parting the seas. It was like, he just walked in, you know. And uh, my pastor went up and put his arms around this guy. And I just thought, wow. That is humility. That is love in action. Because the rest of us, we're just getting as far away from this guy as possible. And yet the pastor came in and he, and he loved this man. And, uh, you know, just, just spoke to him and then uh, gave him a cup of tea. He looked after him. You know, that, that guy came back and back and back. And, and before long, he was dressed in a suit. God had changed his life. He was really a changed individual because, of, because when the pastor spoke to him, he was treated him with dignity and respect. So when dealing with others, let the fruit of the Spirit be in our hearts. Amen? Let love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, these things, they should be in our heart and we treat other people in that way, being kind and considerate, being merciful, being gracious. You know, people are drawn to the humble. They're drawn to the humble. You know, why? Because they feel safe from the humble. They know that they're not going to be attacked when you walk in humility. Consider Jesus just for a moment. Jesus humbled himself. And look how he's impacted your life. How you are drawn to the Lord. And how Christ has changed the world as he humbled himself and became a man and lived amongst us. Humility is a beautiful, beautiful quality. Paul says, like Paul, I should say, we, we should all serve with humility. Look at our text. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. Most people look at the ministry and they, they see it as something wonderful. Uh, they see the glory, the pomp, the pageantry, the, you know, um, these, the prestige of ministry, if you like. They don't see the tears and they don't see the tribulations many times. Um, you know, it, it's really quite a strange thing that if you're going to serve the Lord, in any capacity, anywhere, there are going to be times of tears that you will experience. Times when you feel that, that it's difficult or you're disappointed. It's not going to be easy. Times of suffering and times of uh, degradation. Times of real hardship. My son spoke to me the one day and he said, Dad, you know the problem with you ministers? He was about 18 years old. You know, they, at that stage, they know everything. Amen. And fount of knowledge, you go to your 18 year old kid. You know. But he came up to me and said, The problem with you preachers is you only preach about the good things, you only talk about the, the, your victories. 
He says, I'm struggling here. You need to talk about the, the difficulties and the hardships and how to endure. And I thought, wow, that's quite a lot of wisdom for an 18-year-old, you know, because he's got a point. We all like to talk about our victories. We all like to talk about the good things that have happened. But, you know, a church fed on a diet of blessings and benefits. And don't we enjoy the blessings in this church? Hallelujah. But a church fed on a diet only of blessings and benefits will soon become weak and will not endure in hard times. Along with the blessings and benefits, we need a message of duty and responsibility and endurance. Amen? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was just about to give up. uh, Hallelujah. So we need these things to make us grow and to be able to, uh, to grow. We need the whole counsel of God. We are living in the last days. Amen? Amen. And the Bible says about the last days that dark and perilous times shall come. You know, and and so we need to be understanding that uh, the church needs to be equipped with more than just a message of God loves you. As important as that is, we need to be uh, uh, trained and equipped for war, to be battle-hardened soldiers, ready to share the gospel. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You see? The gospel is more than a three-point message of flowery platitudes, cliches, and poems. The gospel is about Christ suffering on the cross, His redemptive work. And so we need to be talking about that. We need to understand that serving God is not you know, a barrel of laughs all the time. It can be. And we, we thank God for those times. But there are times when we're serving God, when we go through times of brokenness and hardship and difficulty. And if you only hear about the, the, the glory and the wonderful things, you're going to stop thinking, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I can't do this. So, you know, ministry involves courage and sacrifice. Tears and hardship. You want to be used of God? Be careful what you ask for. God is looking for men and women who will stand up for Him no matter what the cost, who will endure persecution, who won't compromise, who will honor the Lord in their beliefs. They won't compromise their beliefs to fit into this ungodly world. You see, the church is a revolutionary counterculture that lives and dies by the Word of God. And everyone said, Amen. The church today universally is moving away from the scriptures. Apostasy is abounding at an unprecedented rate because we're not holding true to the scriptures. And so God is saying that we've got to come. He's looking for men and women who are going to live and die by the word of God. Amen. So the church is this revolutionary counterculture that lives and dies by the word of God. Look at our text again. Paul says, he's serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he says this to them. He says, we don't we want you uninformed, brethren, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we, might, we even despaired of life. Indeed, In our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That was the great Apostle Paul. He's saying, I despaired even of life, and he's in ministry. He's doing the will of God. 
It can be tough at times. And everybody who's been through it said, Amen. Oh, they're a bunch of newbies here. <laughs> haven't been through the tough times yet. Hallelujah. You see, the great apostle, uh, despaired even of life, felt like he was going to die in the ministry. But what a man. You know, if you think being a true disciple of Jesus Christ is easy, it's because you haven't embraced the cross. Every one of us who truly embraces the cross knows that there are times of tears when you serve the Lord. It's not all uh, fun and games. Do you remember the, the great uh, uh, prophet Elijah, the guy who called down fire? That was his favorite hobby. You know, the, the, the men that were sent to take him, he had to call down fire from heaven. Uh, the prophets of Baal, uh, he called down fire from heaven. You know, he, he was known as a fiery prophet, and he preached uncompromisingly. And uh, after he had overcome the, the apostasy of his day by supernatural signs and wonders, uh, uh, Jezebel, the queen, was very annoyed that her prophets had been, uh, had been killed. And she said, I'm going to kill that prophet. And so what does Elijah do? He runs for his life. He, was, he said, God, take my life. He's dying under the juniper of Jesus. God, take my life. I can't endure this anymore. A man of God, mighty ministry, and he's wanting to give up his life. He's suicidal. What about Job, God's servant? His suffering caused him to curse the day that he was born, and he wished to die. Jonah was another one. He says, Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. You know, serving God is going to cost you. It's not easy, but it's well worth it. Amen? The, the rewards that we'll get in the end will far outweigh the sufferings that we have. So ministry is about many tears and hardships. It's the other side of serving the Lord that we all have to pass through. You know, when I was in, in seminary in America, uh, the, the, the Department of Statistics uh, uh, came, they, they were talking to us as a, as a group of students, and they said uh, that the, the statistic was that 95% of all men that are called into the ministry 95% of them will quit after 15 years. Only 5% go on for more than 5 years. I'll never forget that because I was contemplating ministry back then. And uh, it was a very sobering thought. You see, the attrition rate in ministry is extremely high. Burnout, discouragement, financial pressures have all taken their toll on men of God. And God needs men and women who can endure opposition. Courageous men and women who will stand their ground without giving any quarter. Amen? That's what God is looking for. Men and women like Paul who said, and I'm reading this from the Amplified Bible, for I'm ready to be sacrificed. My life is about to be poured out as a drink offering. The time of my spirit's release from my body is at hand, and I will soon go free. What's he talking about? He's talking about his martyrdom. He understands that he's going to give his life for the gospel. You see, Paul would serve with every last ounce of strength, with every last fiber of his being, with every last breath. Paul was going to serve God. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Mighty ministries are built on humility and tears. Courage, strength, and endurance. 
Look at the text again. I've got, I've got stuck in verse 19. You know, I know there are other verses, but don't worry about it. We're going to look at verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. You know, when you look at that word temptation today in our modern text, we kind of think it, it's some kind of uh, something sexual, you know, with some sexual allurement or uh, something that we, we're going to be tempted sexually. Um, but if you look carefully at what he's actually saying, um, Paul's allurement, the temptation uh, which befell him, was in relation to the Jews lying in wait. I don't think there was anything sexual about that, you know. And so it's very interesting when you look in, when you go into the Greek. And, and you see uh, that word temptation in the Greek is the word parosmos. And it means trial or test. And so what Paul is saying is that we, I'm going to be experiencing a trial or a test by the Jews who are waiting for me. Well, what was the de- why were they waiting for him? They were waiting to see if he would preach the gospel. That's what it was all about. Would Paul preach the gospel again? He preached it. You know, but by this time in his ministry, many of the Jews had become violently opposed to his message. And they were stirring up trouble wherever he went. Remember when uh, he was in Lystra, uh, the, the, the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. And, and they came and they, they stirred up the crowd. And before long, uh, they, they, they dragged Paul out and stoned him and left him for dead. How many still want a mighty ministry? Just check, just check. <laughs> So it was really quite a difficult thing, you know, that he had to endure. Again and again, Paul was persecuted. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was imprisoned. I think the temptation Paul faced was obvious. Should I preach or should I stay silent? The same temptation you and I face with the gospel every time we're convicted with this, uh, confronted with a sinner. But each time, Paul rose to the challenge and looked fear in the face. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When Paul wrote that, it wasn't just a memory verse. It wasn't something that he wrote. Paul lived that. He demonstrated it. Day after day, he would get up and he would preach the gospel and he would seal that verse with his own blood because they whipped him and they beat him until he bled. And so he said, I can do all things through Christ. And again and again, he rose up and he preached the gospel. Thank God for a man who wouldn't quit. He sealed it with his blood. It demonstrated that reality by preaching the gospel. One of my favorite historians is Tacticus. And I've used this quote over and over again. But every time I look at it, it touches my heart and challenges me. The Roman historian Tacticus wrote these words. The desire for safety stands against every great and noble enterprise. (laughs) Has he got that right? The desire for safety, for self-preservation, stands against every great and noble enterprise. You know, there comes a time in every believer's life when we're going to have to decide what kind of believer we are. What kind of Christian are we going to become? You know, are we, are we going to be those that compromise and take the easy option? Or are we going to stand up and, and face down our enemies and, and give God the glory and honor? That's coming to each and every one of us. 
Will you choose to stand up for Jesus when the chips are down? Anybody can serve the Lord when, when we're on the mountaintop. But can we serve Him in the valleys when things are difficult? Will we stand up for Jesus and talk about Him? Or are we ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Let me say again, the desire for safety stands against every great and noble enterprise. Do you remember Darius the Mede? He was the guy that outlawed prayer. Uh, and, and he said, if, if you're going to pray, we're going to feed you to the lions. It was on penalty of death. If you pray, we, we're going to feed you to the lions. That was, that's, uh, that's what it was all about. And it's, it's, it, that was really the challenge in Daniel's day, you know. Uh, it, uh, do I stop praying? Uh, because if I do, uh, then, then I'll survive and I, I can serve God. I can still be a witness. I can still influence these people. Or do I do what I need to do? Do I depend on the, my Lord for every breath of my being, everything I'm going through? You know, it says in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, when this thing had become law, that you were forbidden to pray, listen to what he says. He went to his house, the windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks to God as he did aforetime. Wow. That is courageous, amen? You could have closed the curtains. <laughs> closed the curtains and the doors, yeah. But no, he wasn't going to be conformed to man's opinion. He wasn't going to be led and dictated to by man. He was living for God and for God alone. He was honoring the Lord. He was going to honor the God of Israel. You know, he would not be defined by what man says. He would obey God no matter what the cost. He would not compromise or yield. He would not hide away and close the doors. No, he wouldn't please man. He wanted to please the Lord God Almighty. He was a man, the Bible says, of an excellent spirit. See, he'd be true to the Lord in good times and in bad. What a lesson. Man, I could take some time to talk about that. Being true to the Lord in good times and bad. Daniel like Paul, was willing to lay his life down for the Lord. It takes courage to stand for Christ, doesn't it? Especially in this, this, this generation that we're living in. It's not a popular message. <coughs> Excuse me. Brave and dangerous times. Uh, uh, sorry. Brave, brave people are going to stand in dangerous times and situations. Let me tell you, as we draw near the end, dark and dangerous times are coming for the believer. You can see it in America and different places of the world, how the, the opposition to the church is rising, and how the church is being mocked and maligned, and, and it's coming. From the next step is going to be imprisonment. In fact, I've heard of, of, of American pastors who have already been arrested and thrown into prison because they're preaching the gospel, and because they're having church in their homes. So dark and dangerous times are coming, folks. You need to decide now what kind of believer you're going to be. I like old John Wayne. You, you guys know John Wayne here in New Zealand? Okay. John Wayne, howdy cowboys. You know? uh, he, he, he said this, you know, and I think it's really worth remembering. He said, courage is being scared to death, but settling up anyway. And that's true. 
You know, if we're going to serve God with honor and integrity, we are going to find ourselves in situations where we are terrified. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. And so, you know, it's about, it's about doing it anyway. It's about honoring the Lord, speaking up even though we're terrified. Adrian Rogers tells the story of a man who went about bragging and bragging. He just couldn't shut him up about how he cut the tail of a man-eating lion with a penknife. People said to him, well, why didn't you, you cut off its head? And he admitted that somebody had already done that already. <laughs> you know, some Christians are like that, you know, brave in that situation, but put them in with a real lion, that would be a different story anyway. Uh, mighty ministries will cost you everything. My encouragement to you is do it anyway. The temptation, should I preach or should I stay silent? The same temptations you and I face with the gospel, you must decide. Are we going to be conquerors or are we going to be cowards? Daniel's temptation was, that uh, could have been, do I compromise? Do I hide away? Do I fit in? But he faced death and overcame. A mighty ministry will cost you everything. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and with temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. The challenge that I want to issue to myself first and then to, and to all those that are listening here and online is this. Will you put Christ first? Deny yourself and how will you serve others? A quick and easy answer is yes, I will. Well, how will you serve the Lord? How will you put Him first? How will you deny yourself? How will you serve others? I want to give you just 30 seconds to think about that. Because we, we've come to hear and to really imbibe the truth of the Word of God. How will you put God first? How will you uh, deny yourself? And how will you serve others? As we think about that, I've got another question for you. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Endure through trials and temptations. Are you prepared to suffer Christ for Christ? Are you prepared to suffer for the cause of Christ? Because the day is coming so very soon where we're going to have to know the answer to that question. Will you speak up for Jesus or be ashamed of Christ? Will you compromise and fit in? These are the questions that we need to consider deeply if we want to grow in God, if we want to mature in the things of the Lord. And again, I remind you of Tacticus. The desire for safety stands against every great and noble enterprise. The master key to a mighty ministry, the secret uh, to Paul's successful life, his powerful impact upon the world is found in verse 24. And it says this, Neither count I my life dear unto myself. You know, we'd say today that Paul was a dead man walking. Because the only reason he was living, he was living for God and God alone. Amen. He was dead to everything else. He was prepared to die, like Daniel, to serve the Lord. The truth is, we're all going to die. But how we live and how we die is of the utmost importance. And if you will consider those three questions that I gave to you this morning, I believe God will do a work in each and every one of us. will cause us to, to be filled with His Spirit. We need God. We can't do this in our own strength. 
But the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us to enable us to live the supernatural life, to be witnesses like the suffering uh, church uh, in, in, in foreign lands. They're standing for Christ. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask if you would bow your heads with me this morning. And I want you just to, uh, just for a moment, consider those three cases. Will you put Christ first by denying yourself and how are you going to do that? And how do you expect to serve others? What are you going to do for others? Will you endure trials and temptation? Are you prepared to suffer for the cause of Christ? And will you speak up for Jesus or be ashamed of Christ by compromising and pretend? Shall we bow our heads and just... to the supernatural life to a life without compromise and it can only be done in the power of the Holy Spirit it can only be done as God's grace fills us and strengthens us and ministers to us the best will in the world will fall short under these temptations under these situations but if we draw upon the power of the Holy Spirit God will enable us to rise up and that all things become possible I want to just, I would love the, the opportunity to, to pray for you this morning as you consider the words that we've heard. We, we don't want to be, deceive ourselves just by being hearers only, but we want to be doers of the word. We want to be those that practice the things that we, we, we hear uh, from the word of God each, each Sunday. And so I'd like to give you an opportunity to stand. Uh, if you uh, realize that you want to stand for Christ, you want a mighty ministry. You want to, to serve the Lord with all your heart and you recognize that you need the power of the Holy Spirit to do this. Even to respond, you need the power of the Spirit to acknowledge that this is what you want to do. But if that's you, I'm just going to ask if you would stand up this morning. I'd like the privilege of praying for you. And let me say to you, I am the first one that's standing. I hope you will pray for me because I want to be this kind of person as well. And I pray that you would stand with me. God, we fall so far, far short in our, in our own flesh, in our own desires. We, we, we aspire to these great things, but Lord, we are very slow at putting them into practice. And so, for my brothers and sisters, for myself included, Lord, I pray that you would work in our lives. I pray that you would, you would touch us. Uh, and God, that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would cause within us a fire within our bones. Lord, that we would not deny you, but we would stand proudly and confess Jesus Christ as Lord. 
Lord, that we would lay down our lives in service for others, that we would help others, that we would minister, uh, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, that we would be able to endure through, through times of difficulty. And again, we just lift up our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church, Lord, who are paying such a terrible price. We pray that you would comfort them. We pray that you would be right there with them, that you would lift them up, Lord. We understand, at least in part, in a small way, Lord, some of the sacrifices that they are making to honor you. And so, Father, we pray that you would minister to them, that you, you would be with them every moment of the day. Uh, Lord, that you'd cause them to remember uh, you in all your ways. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would minister to us, that we could be as bold and as courageous as our brothers and sisters in foreign lands. Lord, we ask you to work in us, to change us. Lord, where we are afraid, make us courageous. Lord, where we are weak, make us strong. Where we are silent, help us to speak up for you. <coughs> so, Lord, I just pray for everybody that's standing this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. And I pray, Father God, that you would minister to us, that you would encourage us, and that you would use us for your honor and glory. In Jesus' wonderful name, we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God.